0: The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving the Lord is at the center of everything, the foundation, the all of man. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today, we'll be talking about the problem with religion. True faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not a religion. It is something greater and deeper than that. Following the Lord is not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about rituals, customs, and or traditions. It's about life about love, about a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ. If a person devotes themselves to religious practice rather to a genuine relationship with the Lord, they will never find true fulfillment and eternal life. Today's message is inspired in Acts chapter 21 verses 15 to 36. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, I praise you, I worship you, O Lord God. Hallowed, glorified, and exalted be your name forever and ever. Heavenly Father, I praise you, O Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessed are you, O Lord, for your love and grace Lord God, for all the things that you do for us, that you have done for us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for the grace, mercy, and salvation that we can find through him, for the forgiveness of our sins. O Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us, O Lord, to be attentive to your word. Help us to understand, Lord God, that following you, is not about religion. It's not about practices, but it is about a relationship. It is about love. Help us, O Lord, to understand what your true will is and to be able to do it. To you be all the honor, the glory, and the praise, O Lord, forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in Acts chapter 21. Verses 15 to 36. This is the word of the Lord. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Nassan of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in and with us to James. And all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of the purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them, and when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people followed after crying out, away with him. As we read, the religious people caused quite an uproar and chaos in the city. Their actions stirred up violence in the mob, which could have killed Paul if it were not for the Roman commander and the soldiers. Is this something that was according to God's will? Was faith in God about stirring up masses and killing people? Absolutely not. Least of all during the time of God's dispensation of grace, which is still in effect, So what is the difference between what Paul and those who were with him versus the people that stirred up the crowd? The religious were just that, religious. Did they really believe in God? They did not. They believed in themselves. They justified themselves. Their belief was more founded on rules, traditions, and customs than on the Lord. They were more concerned over things that were superficial and passing rather than the things that truly please God. If they would have truly believed in God and were looking to please Him, they would have heard Paul and understood that God was behind the message of the Gospel. There would have been a spiritual affinity, a drawing of some sort, because the intentions of their hearts would have aligned. What is the problem with religion then? There is ultimately no life in religion. God is not in it. For instance, religion is defined as a set of organized beliefs, practices, and systems that most often relate to the belief and worship of a controlling force, such as a personal God or another supernatural being. And that is not what God teaches. The commandments that God gave are really instructions and guidance, given as directions for the good of man. But the moment the Lord introduces the concept of love, then it's no longer on the basis of a set of rules, a list of do's and don'ts, if you will. True faith in God is set on the person of God rather than on rules, regulations, and systems of customs, and so on. This is what the Bible says to start of what God is really after. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord gave this command or instruction to the people of Israel, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. This was supposed to be at the center of the people's faith, loving the Lord with everything they are. This is what God is really after. That is why this is a first and greatest commandment. It has always been, and it will always be. So if the religious people would have gotten this right, their priority would have been loving God and not rules, traditions, and least of all, customs developed by men that really were not provided by God for them to follow. The Lord Jesus Christ reiterated this very point again while here on earth. For he also said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving the Lord is at the center of everything, the foundation, the all of man. And secondly, loving your neighbor as yourself. These commandments should be everything to us. So what was in the hearts of the religious people? Their justification of themselves based on what they thought was right and not according to God. How can we tell? Well, we established before that if they were after the Lord, that they would have found an affinity with Paul and with those that were with Paul. But secondly, the proof that they were on the wrong side of things was the very acts they were committing. Who is your neighbor? By definition, it's whoever is around you, whether you know them or don't know them, your fellow man. So Paul was their neighbor. And so what were they demonstrating to Paul? They wanted Paul and whoever was like Paul dead. There is no love in that. On the contrary, there was hatred, evil, and bad intentions. And this was clearly not God's will. What did the Lord teach in the Old Testament? In the book of Hosea, it says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Let's look at what the Lord also said in the book of Isaiah in chapter 58. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard, and you shall call And the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorers of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What does this entire passage exemplify? The first and second commandments, loving God with everything we are and loving our neighbor as yourselves it can't get any clearer. So was this what religious people were following? Absolutely not. God was not first for them and certainly not loving their neighbor in their hearts. The moment a person takes off their eyes from the Lord, they are turning divine relationship into religion, life into rules and freedom into bondage. The religious people had placed themselves under the bondage of sin and disobedience ultimately under the rule of the devil. The devil is at odds with God, and if a person is not centered on the Lord, then they are doing the devil's bidding. There's no gray area. They're obeying sin and death. This is the problem with religion, and this clearly goes against anything the Lord teaches, especially during this time that we're still enjoying the dispensation of His grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God teaches us that we must walk in the Spirit, So we do his will. The scriptures refer to this as the fruit of the spirit. Those things that are supposed to be produced in our lives as proof that the Lord Jesus Christ is living in our heart. This is what is written in Galatians chapter five. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so what should be in our incentive? The reason for why we do all things Quite simply, our choice to love the Lord with everything we are because we want to give him priority over everyone and everything. You see, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. You want to understand what they like and what they don't like, what makes them happy and what disappoints them. If you want to love the Lord, you should want to please him, to do those things that he desires. Now, someone might ask, why should God be loved with everything we are? And the answer is simple. It's all about justice. It's about being fair with him. That's ultimately the bottom line in everything in the universe. God made us for himself so that we could do his will voluntarily. He made us with reason and a conscience. Our soul contains those attributes. It's not necessarily about intellect or special abilities. It's so simple that a child can understand. He actually said that we ought to become as little children if we want to enter his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 18, it says, Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We owe absolutely everything to the lord our existence everything we have around us even our existence at this very moment living and breathing at this very instant we owe him everything if you are living and breathing at this very moment it is because he wills it our daily survival depends on him and what can we say about the cross of jesus christ about the sacrifice he did for us through his only begotten son and the opportunity for salvation eternal life, and he has done everything without any kind of obligation. He owes us nothing. I can't stress this enough. That is the extent of his goodness, love, and mercy. So it is only fair to try to at least love him for everything he has done for us and for what we owe him. That is why our relationship with him needs to go beyond religion, beyond rituals, customs, and traditions, it's all about love. He has subjected everything to love. Love is voluntary, but it is also all about complete commitment and surrender. Love means that all defenses are down. There are no reservations. There are no limits. Love goes beyond sensations or passing feelings. This is the definition of love according to God's standard. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is what true love is. And this love is what we need to have for the Lord if we want to be fair with him and also if we want to attain the things that only he can grant. Love is exactly what the religious people did not have for God. But love for the Lord is what Paul and all those with him did have. Those that followed Jesus Christ and even gave up their lives willingly for the Lord. And this is what the word of God says. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Love for the Lord is the only thing that will gain us everything with the Lord. If there is no love for the Lord, then there is no substance, no life. But when we choose to love the Lord above all things, then we will start to see his glory and have access to all things he has for those that do love him. Choose not for religion. Choose to love the Lord above everyone and all things for your own good. Religion by itself does not do anything for us. There is no life in religion. There is no salvation in religion. There is nothing helpful in religion, at least as far as the Lord is concerned. Following the Lord Jesus Christ has nothing to do with a list of do's and don'ts. It has nothing to do with trying to be a good person or a moral person. It has nothing to do with rituals, customs, or traditions. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is about treating Him as He deserves to be treated. It's about acknowledging Him and receiving Him as the Lord of our lives. It's about believing with all of our hearts that God is God, and loving Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if we do anything in this life, the purpose or the intention should always be as a result of that love we have for Him. The moment our heart loses focus on that purpose and we start doing things for reasons that do not coincide with loving Him is the moment we start departing from true faith. If we concentrate more on what we are doing than on the why we are doing things, then that's when we start veering off the path of eternal life. The Lord is very clear in His word about this, for it is written, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And the Lord Jesus Christ also said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The most important thing to the Lord is that everything we do should be because we love him. And as a result of that love for him is that we should do everything else, like love our neighbor as ourselves. If we follow his word, the reason should be because we are trying to please him and nothing else. This is what we read in the book of Ephesians, children, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with thy service as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. This is how we can bring everything in our lives in line with him and make everything count. This should be our true focus, so we can, in fact, attain those things that only He can give. Eternal life and eternal reward. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I praise you and I glorify you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your goodness and mercy. I give you thanks, O Lord, that you've made things so simple. Help us to understand, Lord God, that we need to learn to love you, that we need to learn to be fair with you, Lord God. And that the only reason for why we should do anything in our lives is because we love you and because we want to do those things that please you and bring you honor and glory heavenly father help us to understand that it is very simple it's just a question of where are our intentions help us O oh lord to have true and good intentions towards you help us oh lord to know how to love you, to appreciate you, to try to understand all the things you have done for us and even the things that you promise us in the future. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to have a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.